Well, let me put it to you straight. Positive thinking is hogwash. Really? Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, you can tell already I'm fired up about a topic I want to unpack today. And a bunch of people that tagged me on a particular segment that was shared. We're going to share a little bit of that and where it came from. So, let's go. Here's some of the questions we're going to be looking at. Is it useless to think positively? Is dreaming just a childish mind game to avoid the reality of my life? Do I really get to choose the life I live? All right, now we're going to go into that. I'm going to share a little bit from a segment that was shared publicly online this week from Darren Hardy, well-known motivational speaker, leader, publisher, course creator, all kinds of good things that I admire about him. But it was shared, and it said, positive thinking is hogwash. That's was sent to me by... We're going to use Keith's question, who sent it to me. Several other people pointed that out as well because they realized that it was counter to what I talk about daily here, and it is indeed. So we're going to look at that. So that the quotation we're going to use for today comes from Winston Churchill, who said, the positive thinker sees the invisible, feels the intangible, and achieves the impossible. Now, you're going to hear some more quotations from me about positive thinking because, yes, I am a big believer in that. And here's the resource for today. Six tips to a successful day through a positive attitude. <laughs> so let's just kind of hammer into this. If you go to 48days.com slash attitude, you'll get those six tips to a successful day through a positive attitude. Now, this is a note from Keith. It says, good morning, Dan. I found this video interesting as it contradicts much of what you say about Napoleon Hill. Your thoughts? I'd love to hear them on your podcast. I certainly cannot say I always agree with Darren, but he occasionally has some good nuggets. Thanks, Keith. Well, thank you for pointing that out to me. Darren Hardy does a daily Darren, he calls it, just a little short segment that he does with some kind of a, a thought. And they're usually very encouraging Positive things. Now, this was what put him on fire. September 13th is claimed to be Positive Thinking Day. Now, it's an unofficial holiday, but we talk about it a lot. I mean, it's Positive Thinking Day, September 13th. The day is meant just for one thing, to put aside everything else and concentrate on all the positive things in life. But here's what Darren says. Darren says it perpetuates a self-delusion. He says, this crazy idea that you can use the power of your mind I mean, is useless. All of the positive thinking in the world won't bring you good fortune to your doorstep or prevent tragedy from striking you. Now, this is Darren Hardy, the former publisher of Success Magazine, probably my all-time favorite magazine, the foremost magazine of positive thinking, creativity, optimism. I mean, he's the author of The Compound Effect that I've recommended to many people. He's the, he's the gentleman who provided an endorsement for my book, 
wisdom meets passion. I mean, I consider him a friend. I went to his conference when he released the Entrepreneur Roller Coaster in Dallas. You know, Carrie Oberbrunner and I went together. Carrie alerted me to that. Boom, we flew out there, spent a couple of days with Darren as he released that new book. It was a small group at the Entrepreneurial Roller Coaster. I've promoted that a lot. I consider Darren, again, a friend and mentor. But I think he's way off base on this rant that positive thinking is hogwashes. I mean, he uses examples like, well, I'm just not going to use my seatbelt today. I'm just going to think positively about arriving at my destination. I'm not going to make any phone calls today. I'm just going to think positively about the revenue I need to generate for this last quarter of the year. Or I'm not going to go to the gym today. I'm just going to think positively about getting into better shape. Well, I'm going to play just, I mean, just 14 seconds here, just to give you the, the tone of how he went on this rant. And then we'll continue kind of unpacking it a little bit. I'm going to give you some pointers on what I think you can do. I'm going to give you an example of how you can choose how you want to live your life, positively or negatively. We all get that choice, thankfully. And I'll give you some suggestions, and then we'll just uh, wrap it up today. So here's this little clip, just a little tidbit of how he went off on positive thinking. Let me put it to you straight. You cannot hope or attract or pray or chant or channel or visualize or vision board or wish or fantasize or think your way to success. Now, what all did he get in there? A whole bunch of things, but he makes fun of visualizing yourself into a better situation. I mean, seeing yourself in that corner office or in the house you're dreaming of. He says, studies show that if students visualize getting a higher grade, they'll actually study less and get a lower grade. And he says, think and grow rich is a lie. He says, positive thinking does nothing. He says, there's no magic of thinking big. Uh, those being two of the books that I highly recommend, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill and The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz. He says, meditating is a joke. You know, you're supposed to stop your life and just do nothing? Well, he says, thinking means nothing. The only thing that matters is action. Well, I'm not sure what happened here. I think Darren had a bad day frankly. Um, but there are some other things that I've heard him say recently that kind of line up with this. But the interesting thing is I, I went and pulled off the compound effect, just pulled off my shelf, a book that I refer to a lot. I mean, he's got some delightful stories in there. And he, and he says who you have to become. You know, when most people set out to achieve new goals, they ask, okay, I have my goal. Now, what do I need to do to get it? It's not a bad question, but it's not the first question that needs to be addressed. The question we should be asking ourselves is, who do I need to become? That's right out of his book. And then he talks, one of the stories that I love and I've referred to a lot is, this is Darren Hardy talking. He says, when I was single and ready to find my mate and get married, I made a long list of traits I desired in the perfect woman. For me, I filled more than 40 pages of a journal, front and back, describing her in great detail, her personality, character, key attributes, attitudes, and philosophies about life, even what kind of family she'd come from, including her culture, her physical makeup, down to the texture of her hair. I wrote in depth about what our life would be like and what we'd do together. And then if I had asked myself, what do I have to do to find this girl? I might still be on that butterfly chase. Instead, I looked back at the list and considered whether or not I embodied those same attributes myself. Did I have the qualities I was expecting in her? 
And I asked myself, what kind of man would a woman like this be looking for? Who do I need to become to be attractive to a woman of this substance? I filled 40 more pages describing all the attributes, qualities, behaviors, attitudes, and characteristics I needed to become myself. Then I went to work in becoming and achieving those qualities. Guess what? It worked. As if she were peeled off the pages of my journal and appeared in front of me, my wife, Georgia, is exactly what I described and asked for in almost eerie detail. The key was getting clear on who I'd have to be to attract and keep a woman of her quality and then doing the work to achieve that. My goodness, that sounds exactly like the plan that I encourage. So I'm not sure if he's just distorted this one idea, but he's pretty clear in this rant about trash and everything connected with positive thinking. To me, that sounds like positive thinking. Describe in 40 pages what you would look for in a wife and then imagine what you have to become in order to attract a woman like that. And he goes on in chapter five, addresses the influences in our lives. It says expectation drives the creative process. What do you expect? You expect whatever it is you're thinking about. Your thought process, the conversation in your head is at the base of the results you create in life. Well, he goes on, you know, from that, you know, to not watch the news as an example. And you're filling your mind with dirty water and you're going to get dirty water results. You want stories of inspiration, people who despite challenges are overcoming obstacles and achieving great things, strategies of success, prosperity, health, love, and joy. Well, again, there's so much that he says. I went back to remind myself, was I imagining this incorrectly? Well, in this Monday daily dare in peace where he trashes positive thinking day, he seems to reduce us just to robots. Again, no, he, he clearly identifies these. No dreaming, no imagining, no wishing, no hoping, no meditating, no praying, just doing. Well, I want to remind us all, remind me, what I'm becoming is more important than what I'm doing. I mean, you, you are first and foremost a human being, not a human doing. I mean, our ability to think and dream and create and plan are what separate us from I mean, the cow out in the field who simply sees a sprig of grass and moves toward that. We're not like that. We can do all these things. We can dream, imagine, wish, hope, meditate, and pray. I mean, those are things that separate us and give us a life that is meaningful. I mean, I was reminded, and yes, I'm going through, as those of you who are in the Eagles community understand, you're going through Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich, this year. It's a year-long study. The fourth Monday of every month, I go through a chapter. And he describes 12 characteristics of being rich. Now, keep in mind, and I'll remind you at the end again, you aren't going to hear much about money in here. It's not just that. A rich life includes, according to Napoleon Hill, number one, a positive mental attitude. Boom, right there. One of the things that annoys Darren, apparently. Number two, sound physical health. Three, harmony in human relations. Four, freedom from fear. Five, hope of future achievements. Six, capacity for applied faith. Seven, willingness to share one's blessings with others. Eight, engagement in a labor of love. Nine, open-mindedness on all subjects toward all people. Ten, complete self-discipline. Eleven, wisdom with which to understand people. Twelve, financial securities. Wow. I mean, those are characteristics I want to be evident in my life, and I can learn about those in Think and Grow Rich, as you can. Now, the most interesting thing about this list is 
that only one has to do with money or finances, and it comes in dead last at number 12. But number one on the list is positive mental attitude. I mean, no matter what happens to you or your business, your career, maintain a positive mental attitude. Now, it's not simply a matter of making money. It's a process of living a life that is full of meaningful relationships and experiences. I mean, creating a life that goes far beyond things that we can simply measure. Now, there's no magic of thinking big. I mean, he says that explicitly. There's no magic of thinking big. Well, I would suggest to all of you that you go back and read that classic little book titled The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz. I mean, it's one of the things that helped me as a scared little farm kid, you know, when I realized I wanted a bigger life. And some of the principles that I wrote down and repeated to myself day after day. I mean, here's some of the simple principles you're going to find there. Be a front seater. Sitting up front builds confidence. You may feel a little conspicuous, but remember there's nothing inconspicuous about success. Number two, practice making eye contact. People who don't look you right in the eye appear guilty, weak, and dishonest. It says, I'm afraid. I like confidence. Number three, I've always loved this one. Walk 25% faster. I mean, if you go to the mall and just sit there, you can learn a lot about people by simply watching them, how they walk. If they have their eyes down, their shoulders droop down, they're sluggish, they're shuffling along, you know what they're feeling like. Psychologies link sluggish walking to unpleasant attitudes toward oneself. Throw your shoulders back, lift your head, and feel your self-confidence grow. Number four, practice speaking up. The more you speak up, the more you add to your confidence. I mean, as a, a poor, scared little Mennonite kid, I mean, I took the Dale Carnegie course to help me have confidence about presenting ideas things where they use the term earn the right, things that you understand, and then you can talk about it with confidence for two minutes. I mean, that was great learning experience for me. And then number, number five from the Magic of Thinking Big, smile big. Try to feel defeated or discouraged and smile at the same time. You can't. A big smile gives you confidence. Golly, I'll take a breath here. Well... We're unpacking one question today. Typically, there's a whole bunch of them lined up. We got those in the queue. We'll come back to them. Keep sending your questions in to askdan at 48days.com. It's the easiest way to get them in there, get them in the queue so we can learn from them together, as I hope we're doing here today. And just so send those in to askdan at 48days.com. Now, Darren cites some studies that support his idea that positive thinking actually hurts your performance. Well, you know how studies are. I mean, it's pretty easy to find studies to support anything, and I don't want to just swing the pendulum artificially here, but here's one from the Association for Psychological Science. A study found that being in a positive mood helps the human brain to think more creatively. Participants Participants who were happier after watching happy videos and listening to happy music were more successful at learning. How to classify patterns. You boost your creativity by thinking positively. Here's one from Washington University in in St. Louis. Researchers discovered that positive thoughts helped exercisers stick with their workout routine. 
When reviewing answers to a set of questionnaires, those who believed in the benefits of exercise were more likely to exercise. Focus on the positive when it comes to your task in life so you can be more likely to do it. Again, you know, when you, when you think about, oh, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to go to the gym. I don't, I'm not just going to think about how that's going to make me feel better. I erase all that. I'm just going to go do it. Just go do it. Well, just going through the motions is not enough to keep us engaged. Unless we believe in advance, we can dream about what that's going to do to make us feel better, look better, be more appealing to others, whatever. Well, this comes from the Association for Psychological Science. They found that those who had a positive outlook on life were less likely to experience memory decline as they age. Participants with higher positive effect, which refers to feeling more cheerfulness and enthusiasm, maintained more of their memory. The Mayo Clinic notes that research has shown thinking positively can lead to lower levels of distress, better psychological and physical well-being, and better ability to cope. All of these things and much more can encourage us all to think more positively. This comes from Debo Sweeney who is the head football coach at Clemson. I looked this up and saw also that his current annual salary is $8.3 million. So Debo's doing pretty well, apparently. He says, to be an overachiever, you have to be an overbeliever. I mean, that big success isn't going to just fall in your lap. It doesn't just happen to you. You have to decide that you're going to go for it. You can't be afraid to dream big. I mean, thinking small limits your potential. And well-being naysayers are going to constantly tell you to be more realistic, you know, and that's kind of what we're hearing from Derek. Just be realistic. But top achievers have always recognized that the size of your belief determines the size of your success. Lou Holtz, another great football coach, says if you put negative thoughts in your mind, you're going to get negative results. It's just as true that if you put positive thoughts in your mind, you will be a recipient of positive results. Norman Vincent Peale says, change your thoughts and you change the world. Harvey McKay, positive thinking is more than just a tagline. It changes the way we behave. And I firmly believe that when I'm positive, it not only makes me better, but it also makes those around me better. Vince Lombardi said, life's battles don't always go to the stronger or faster man, but sooner or later, the man who wins is the man who thinks he can and thinking precedes. I mean, surely you don't want to get stuck in thinking. I mean, I talk about that a lot here. Getting more knowledge or thinking about something changes little. You have to move on from thinking to understanding to application, but it starts with so many of the things that Darren says are useless. I mean, what I tell people, one of my quotations, it's used a lot, success is never an accident. It typically starts as imagination, becomes a dream, stimulates a goal, grows into a plan of action, which then inevitably meets with opportunity. Don't get stuck along the way. Now, here's the deal. I mean, what Darren Hardy said this week in this angry rant does not change the value of what I've learned from him over the years. It doesn't change my desire to continue to learn from him. I mean, I'd love to meet with him for lunch tomorrow. And, you know, that's one of the things I want you to take away from this. That applies to some other hot topics in our culture right now. You know what they are. I don't even need to list them. But the idea that different opinions are destroying old friendships, family relationships, churches, and communities is ridiculous. I mean, surely we can have different opinions and still maintain 
the relationships. You get to choose to be a positive thinker or not. You can choose not to be a positive thinker. You know, Jack Canfield, co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, and author, incidentally, of another book that I highly recommend, The Success Principles. If you have The Success Principles, you can open it at any page you want to, read for three minutes. It's going to better your day. It's going to better your attitude. It's going to give you more optimism. It's going to give you strategies you can use to change results in a more positive way. Anyway, Jack Canfield. So he, he does an exercise in um, one of his live workshops. I've been to several different ones that he's done. Uh, introduced, I got introduced to him by uh, Mark Victor Hansen, or the other co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, but I've been to a lot of Jack Canfield things over the years. But this is an exercise that he has people do in a live workshop. He says, write down everything and you take one page, one page in front of you. Write down everything in your life that has or is now going wrong. All right, write it down. One page, two minutes. Okay, they finish that. Then take another page, another clean page. Write down everything in your life that has or is now going well. Again, one page, two minutes. Now, in looking at those, which gives you more energy? Which do you want people to remember about you? I mean, there's always a lot of laughter, and kind of a, a relief when people write down all those things that are going well. Well, sure, there's a whole lot of things going well. Now, I did this in my book, Wisdom Meets Passion, the one I co-wrote with my son, Jared, and the book that Darren provided an endorsement for, right on the back cover of Wisdom Meets Passion, Darren Hart. Too often, we think success means only making money, but financial abundance in the absence of wisdom and passion will be meaningless. Darren Hardy, man, right there, he says, financial abundance in the absence of wisdom and passion will be meaningless. And somewhat it seems like he just stripped out passion from uh, what he's saying currently. Well, anyway, hopefully I'll get a chance to unpack this with Darren. But here's the story that I have in my book, Wisdom Meets Passion. I titled this segment, My Life is a Mess. What do you tell people when you first meet them? Like anyone else, I can tell my story as a healthy version or a victim version. So here's one. I grew up in a home where we didn't even have running water until I was in the eighth grade. I knew nothing but poverty. As a five-year-old, I was forced to get up at 5.30 a.m. to do my share of the farming chores. Most Christmases, I got a new pair of blue jeans, my one pair for the coming year. I was not allowed to wear neckties or fancy clothes. Because of my parents' legalistic religious beliefs, I was not allowed to go to movies, dances, or sporting events. Our home was rigid and somber with little laughter. I received zero financial help for college from my parents. I hated the cold weather in Ohio. If only I had been born into a family with more opportunity. Or, here's another version. In my family, we learned how to make good use of everything. Nothing was wasted. We grew our own food, and I created toys from things other families discarded. As a small boy, I had the opportunity to experience real work and begin my commitment to work that was meaningful and profitable. With no TV or radio in the house, I became an avid reader, and that opened me up to a wealth of wisdom and knowledge that serves me well today. I worked right through my college years and valued the education I was paying for myself. 
My father's devotion to his religious views prompted me to study deeply and formulate beliefs to which I could be equally committed. Today, I value the work ethic and the uncompromising integrity I learned in that strict Amish Mennonite environment. As my own man, I wore neckties until I came to my realization that there was nothing more than legal, that there was more than legalism to provide reason for not wearing the silly things. The creativity and ingenuity I experienced as a child served me in a thousand ways in helping me see opportunities that others miss. Now, here's the deal. Both of those versions are equally true. But if you just met me, which of those stories would make you want to get to know me more? Which one do you think makes me more confident and happier and gives me more energy? I mean, even today. I mean, so what's your story? I mean, even if you lost your job, I mean, your dog died, you got heartburn, they repossessed a truck. What story do you want to be replaying in your mind to move to a higher level of success? I mean, what's the picture that you're presenting to others? If you're telling yourself an unhealthy story of your life, it'll perpetuate the same reality. Creating a healthy story and just the way you share it could change the way you see your life and the way others see and respond to you. So you get to choose. I mean, you really do. Do you want to focus only on productivity? I mean, how many widgets you produced today? How many minutes you exercised? How many dollars you generated? What about how your kids greeted you when you walked in the door? The way your spouse looked at you across the room at the wedding you attended last Saturday? What about the rainbow you saw last night after refreshing rain? How can you describe those just in terms of productivity? So, hey, here's your assignment. I want you to write down two versions of your life. Then ask yourself, what do you want the story of your life to be three years from now? And you know what? I want you to dream. I want you to imagine I want you to think, I want you to meditate, I want you to pray and then plan and take action for what that could be. Thank you, Keith, for prompting me with your question this week. Thanks to all of you for listening, for sending in your questions. Shoot those in again to askdan at 48days.com. Thanks for being open to growing and believing, thinking, your way into a better life for being a powerful force for making the world a better place and for believing, for thinking, for dreaming, for wishing, for hoping, for praying. And without a shadow of a doubt, we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.